This is an ABC podcast. I'm just a walk on the dog. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. I'll show you how to walk the dog. So are dogs given too many freedoms to run off leash? From parks to playgrounds to beaches... Debates are raging in communities all across Victoria between dog owners, ecologists and parents of young children. Kirsten Diprose joining you from ABC Warrnambool. Kirsten, where should dogs be allowed off-leash and where should they not? I mean, do dogs roam free on the streets and the beaches in beautiful Warrnambool? <laughs> Hi, Rochelle. No, they certainly do not walk around the streets uh, off leads or um, yeah, in the CBD or around the sort of suburban streets. But there are designated areas for them. I think like most places, there's a few parks where you can take them. There's a couple of spots. I think Logan's Beach is one of them where you can have your dog off leash. But then there are other parts on the beach where you can't bring your dog at all, um, not even on a lead. Um, it's really interesting that this kind of debate has blown up across the state because really recently, right across Victoria, the state government actually opened up more off-the-leash dog parks. Mm. I think they announced about 31 new new dog parks just last year and most of them have already been opened. But then in some sub- suburbs, councils are increasing restrictions and rules on dog owners. And there's a really quite a few angles to this debate, aren't yeah, there? there really are. So there are some that are concerned about the environmental impact of dogs when they're off-leash. And then there's the safety and the concern when it comes to kids and whether or not off-leash areas should be near playgrounds or around playgrounds. But Kirsten DeBrose, this is going to get me into trouble, right? And I'm going to say it. But I wonder what the bigger picture is here. What does it tell us about dog ownership in this state? The fact that we need to have more and more dog parks, is that purely because now dog ownership, we just have dogs that aren't appropriate for the homes that we live in? I mean, when I was growing up, you had a dog that was suitable for your backyard and off-leash parks just weren't a thing. Yeah, same here. But, you know, dog ownership has actually increased in in Melbourne by 20% since the pandemic. So I wonder if there's a little bit of an overhang from those pandemic years as well. You know, it kind of gets to that question about the the rights to, to own a dog. Like, as density in cities increases, should it still be our right to have a dog no matter what the size of the dog or the size of your home? And and then that means, do you have the right to your for your local council to provide that green space for your dog to run around, or should we be thinking about our dog ownership choices instead? Yep, we're going there today. Where should dogs be allowed off leash? From playgrounds to parks and beaches, where should your dog be allowed to roam free? This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt in Melbourne, Kirsten Dipros with you in Warrnambool. And we're talking about the freedoms that your dog should be given to be on leash or off leash. Maybe you've seen tighter restrictions in your area as to when they need to be on leash. Or you're seeing more and more dog parks and more and more dog freedoms open up where you are. This text already is saying off lead in Elstonwick Park. Elstonwick is a relatively new, really big park too, Kirsten, where they've converted what was a golf course into a big nature space for 
everybody. And I drive past it most mornings and I'm constantly seeing people walking their dogs through there. And it now says that it's put fences up around all of the native plant garden, but they haven't put those up around the playground. So I wonder whether or not you've seen it change in your area. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm loving the music, can I just say. Uh, it's like we've got a soundtrack with every song that involves dog. So yeah, there's plenty I just, of dog songs. Yeah, text in as well. If <laughs> if you want to kind of mix one in, let us know. 1300 if you've got a favourite dog song as well. Um, but that, that one about playgrounds is interesting. The There's one in Warnable where there's a, a playground, but you've got to be, ta- your dog's not allowed to be 30 metres away. So you can have your dogs off leash but you have to make sure that they don't come within 30 metres of the playground and I've always wondered I've never taken my kids there because I've just thought how do you police that you know like dogs can just run and look I have to admit Rochelle I'm not a dog owner we have farm dogs on our property and they're highly trained and and they you know do, do do a job but I don't have a pet dog and I've never had a pet dog so I'm not a dog person And I know lots of dog people and they love their dogs, but that's not me. This text says I'm more concerned with people walking their dog on the street off lead. I've been rushed quite a few times by dogs on the street while walking my leashed dog, says Jane in Altona. And another saying dogs are so scary in Royal Park off leash. Dogs are threatening children, wildlife and just people in generally. And most of them aren't under control. James is in Sandringham. Morning, James. Good morning. How are you? Well... Um, Enjoying listening to the show this morning and first-time caller. Um, Welcome. The, yeah, we've just returned. We have a dog. We have a cat. Uh, we've just returned from uh, an extended holiday with our kids in um, Europe where we're in Austria, Czech Republic, France and the UK, which was all lovely. What I did notice, particularly in the Czech Republic, people weren't at all concerned about dogs and we'd go to restaurants and pubs and we were in Prague and other cities. Um, You know, here, if you go to a restaurant or a pub, your dog has to wait outside. It can't come in and sit with you peacefully on the floor. Um, So I think we've sort of got the case of the the nanny state over-regulating what we are doing in, um, certainly in Victoria and in Melbourne and with certainly with uh, Bayside Council. So So you think that we're we're putting too many restrictions on dogs? Is that your belief, James? Absolutely. We own a Kelpie which came down from a family farm. She's now 11 years old. She quite happily walks with me off leash to around Sandringham. She is, of course, uh, not meant to, um, but she's never any trouble. And I think it's more a case of whether your dog is uh, under control as opposed to whether your dog is uh, on leash. So. That, yeah, thank you, James. Let's go to Jasmine uh, in Maryville. Hi, Jasmine. Oh, g'day. How are you going? Yeah, well, thanks. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I thought I wanted to agree a little bit with that last caller um, on two fronts. One, that we are being a bit of a nanny state with everything. Um, the second thing, I have a Jack Russell and a Kelpie Cross Collie, and they're both very well trained. It took a very long time to train them. You know, it takes years to get your dog to come back to you when you click your fingers or you make a small sound. And your dog should have respect for you and everybody else around them. I mean, if 
as a human being, if I walked up to you and just put my hand straight on your belly or your back or tried to chew on your collar or something, um, I think you'd be a bit offended. And it's the same with dogs. They what about the argument, Jasmine? And this is from Eliza and Campbell, and it says, this issue really grinds my gears. My daughter was jumped on by a dog at an off-leash park when she was two. It was bigger than her. She's now seven, and she's still terrified of dogs. And don't start me on owners who call out, he's just being friendly, he won't hurt you, etc. And I have to admit, Jasmine, that happens to me a lot as well, where a huge dog will come running up to me or to my daughter, and the owner will say, don't worry, they're really friendly, or they're just, you know, they're just wanting to play... You may love everything about your dog in that element, but that doesn't mean everybody else does. No, I agree with you. I do. And I think it's very inappropriate for any dog to be coming up to another human being and doing anything to them. Or, you know, if, if that human, yeah, they should be under control if they're off lead. Absolutely, 100%. And I think it's dangerous for that to happen. I mean, that there's proof that that young girl has a phobia of dogs mm. now because of that issue. And, and even yourself, like you're saying, I don't like it when dogs come up to me unwelcomed. I actually know how to cope with them and how to deal with them and stop them from jumping on me and biting me and things like that. But not everybody does and not everybody is a dog person. So how do we balance that, um, you know, saying, okay, we don't want to be a nanny state and have all of these different rules and restrictions for every section of our suburbs. But how do we then stop that from happening, at least with off-the-leash dog parks? I kind of think, well, that's where they are. So I know that I can walk down the street and not have dogs coming up and jumping on me. And if, you know, I just avoid that sort of park. And, you know, it's a regulation and a rule that makes that possible. Yeah, like uh, fair enough, um, but not every place has an off-lead dog park. So where do you then take your dog to have a run around? You you know what I mean? Like, I and it's sort of it's a bit of a it's a contradiction because I think that we are over over sort of um, restricting everything in our state, but um, I I do believe that people need to have more ownership on yeah. the training of the dogs, and, and I think that that's been shown with COVID and all these dogs that are now. Well, that's it. Our ownership been... has jumped and has gone through the roof. Jasmine, thank you. Where did we Where did we walk our dogs before we had off leash dog parks, Kirsten? Growing up, as I said earlier, we didn't have them. Did we just take them to the Oval, and is that oh. now frowned upon? Yeah, I think we used to uh, take them to the Oval. I used to do little athletics and I used to train in the weekdays and you'd often find people just running around the, the local Oval with their dogs. I was chatting to my mum about this and she was saying in the 70s, and this is Sydney, but she was saying that, you know, dogs just used to be everywhere. You'd go down to the local milk bar and there would be a you know <laughs> couple of dogs there and they'd just be local dogs owned by local people. Mm. But that's not okay now. This text is from Mark in Geelong, and I'm going to put it to Tina. Tina Samagia, she's the mayor of the Monash City Council. And Monash have been working, well, very closely with their locals in terms of giving them more off-leash dog parks, but one in particular they've now taken from an off-leash dog park to being a lead area. Tina, welcome. There's a text here from Mark in Geelong that says we have a real issue with some dog owners who ignore the signs when they are put in that might say things like plovers are breeding, I have little chicks on the beach, these birds are endangered and entitled to at least have the chance to recover, but dog owners think that they have a right to allow their dogs to roam freely. It's looking after the flora and fauna of this particular parked area in Mount Waverley, the reason why you've removed it from being an off-leash area? 
Hi, thanks for having me. It's Tina Samagia from uh, Mayor of Monash. Uh, so I take it you're referring to the Damper Creek Conservation Reserve, mm. which was part of a broader review that Council did of all of our off-leash area sites. And yes, it was the one that we did recommend changing the status from off-leash to on-leash. And yes, primarily it's because we wanted to protect the precious conservation reserve that we have there. We had an ecologist report recommending that we do so in order to preserve and enhance what we have there. Can you tell us what is there in terms of an ecological corridor? Sure. So Damper Creek Conservation Reserve is one of only two conservation reserves within Monash, the other being Valley Reserve. So what we have at Damper Creek is a very precious area within within suburbia where we're seeing population levels increase and with with more people comes more dogs so um, we have really um, precious uh, biodiversity corridor there within Monash that this report has recommended um, one step we can take to make sure we protect it in the future is to make dogs on leash. What kind of reaction have you had from locals Tina? Well, a mixed reaction. Uh, It's very fair to say that a number of people who live close by to the site, who are dog owners, who are accustomed to be able to go through Damper Creek with their dogs off leash, aren't happy. There are also residents nearby who are very concerned with uh, preserving Damper Creek as a conservation reserve, who are also unhappy we've actually retained two small areas of it as on leash. So you literally cannot make everyone happy, but we've believe we've achieved achieved the right balance here because we've listened to to all the people in our community we've taken the advice we have from the uh, ecologists and we've achieved the best the balance we feel um is best with what we're proposing at damper creek how do you have to police this i understand there is some significant fines for an offense but what does that mean for the council having to have you know people there to patrol it Sure. So it's part of the usual activities that council has in terms of patrolling all of our off-leash and on-leash areas and indeed many of our green spaces right across the municipality. So we have um, a a reactive uh, response where we uh, have incidences reported. We go out and investigate. We see what's happened. We take action when required. We also have um, some resources that we devote to proactive patrols where we merely go out and look. So there's a bit of both there, some proactive and reactive um, attention at these sorts of preserves. Tina, thanks so much for explaining it. It's been good to speak with you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Tina Samagia, she is the Mayor of Monash City Council, just one of the areas that are changing their laws and regulations, Kirsten, around where dogs can be on leash or off leash. Physically impossible to keep up with the texts that are coming through. This morning, when I was a boy growing up, backyard blocks were 800 square metres plus. Now they're 12, so that's why dog parks are needed. And that's a big part of it as well, isn't it? And that's not necessarily... I guess, our fault as human beings. We know that we need more housing. We need to look at possibly smaller blocks or medium-density housing. So how does that then affect the sort of dog that you get and the decisions that you make? And another saying, wishing Kirsten, I live in St Kilda West. One of the suburbs here, there was an explosion of dog ownership during lockdowns by people who don't know how to train their dogs. They're not my fur child. I understand overwhelmingly that they're not bad dogs, but maybe they're just bad owners. However, it feels like there is a lot of them at the moment. Chrissy's in Croydon South. 
Morning. Yeah. Hi, morning. I love this conversation because I have mixed feelings about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we lost uh, two puppies just in the last year. Not not puppies, I was 12, in the last year. And I'm most sorry. of the stories are with them. Um, we have an oval that we usually walk the dogs on, which is a really friendly off-lead oval. But one of the etiquette, I cannot call it an etiquette issue, and I don't know who's in the wrong or the right, but it's not fenced. So the dogs can run onto, you know, the, the footpath, for example, along the sides of the creek. Um, but um, regularly a dog owner that, like, the dogs are controlling him. They're really big dogs and they're dragging him along. And he kind of yells out, don't let your dog come near me. My dogs are violent. You know, my dogs are aggressive. And he keeps doing this. There's little kids around. And, of course, that energy attracts more dogs. So all of the little dogs who are normally really calm or fled end up going over to the aggressive dog. And he just berates us all for having our dogs off the leak at an off-lead oval. And I just find it really hard to know what is the best thing to do there. And secondly, one thing I would say is we had a really great result. We have a dog park just at the end of our street and up a bit. Um, and during COVID, I got attacked with a foster daughter on my back, two dogs in my arms trying to get through the main area to the little dog area because owners were just standing back letting their big dogs do whatever. But when I mentioned it to council, and I was quite calm about it, I was just like, I can't go there anymore. But I've had this idea. Why isn't there a door into a gate into the small area? Why do I have to go through the big area? The council responded really well, and I thought really quickly. Now, that may have been lockdown and they had not as much to do, so they had staff they could send out. <clears throat> but um, it was just fantastic. Right. And I'd encourage people to do that. Oh, that's good. Ask their council well, for help, yeah. Chrissy, I didn't even know, and Kirsten, this may be because I don't own a dog either, I didn't even know there were small dog off-leash parks and big dog off-leash parks, like there was a segregation. But then even, as Chrissy was saying, you put a door in to connect them or to keep them separate. This is just more and more infrastructure that's coming at the cost of ratepayers, surely. Well, but it's needed. There was a case recently on the Gold Coast, it was last year, of a little pup, a five-month-old pup that was killed in an off-leash dog park by, you know, a much bigger dog. So, you know, you really have to be careful. Uh, And again, it comes back to training and knowing your dog and what they're like because, you know, things like that can happen. This says find the bad owners, not those who impose the restrictions. And others saying the selfishness of some dog owners will lead us to consider whether or not this is even reasonable. This is such a large issue, says John. Let's have a chat with Sue in Hoppers Crossing. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And I just share my experience in 2015. And one night I was in Williamstown and uh, just walked down the the park. And suddenly, um, because it was misty, because uh, in winter nights, about six o'clock, so it's really getting before the dark. Suddenly a dog uh, just runs to me. It's sort of medium or small, not you wouldn't call it big dog. But I was doing a bit of exercise, leading down myself, so I wasn't in the best shape to prepare for a dog to hit me. The dog ran to me, just hit me my left foot and ran away. And I just suddenly so painful, in, in almost in tears and just sort of swearing halfway. And then the dog only hear a lady, I couldn't, which I couldn't see, she couldn't see me, and just yell her to her dog to go back. And left me behind in the pain oh, and really, that. really uh, leading down to the, to the grass. So, so it didn't bite it, you, it, it somehow bumped you or, or hit you, yeah, ran into you, bumping, knocked you over? Yeah, it bumped into my left uh, foot. 
And mind you, um, I I thought I didn't say uh, that was very painful. So I thought, you know, it's just strange. I just didn't realize it could be so painful. So yeah. I oh, I'm so to my sorry car. to hear that. Soon. No, thank you. No, it's all right. I just like to uh, share the experience to. Uh, to the dog owners or people, yeah. they realize, um, I don't think this lady until up to date, they, she knows what I have experienced, frankly. Because and this is why it's such an me. emotional conversation, I think, for, for so many people. Like, it, we knew it was going to be heated to, and the, it's not just yourself. There's others saying, you know, I, either I was knocked over or I had a small child that was knocked over, and now they have a fear of dogs as well. But then the arguments kind of flare up, Kirsten, around, well, you shouldn't be there or I shouldn't be here, and this is why we have these rules, and your kids shouldn't be here or your dog shouldn't be here. or So it feels... Like it is such a heated, heated conversation for pretty much every community in Victoria. I reckon we would struggle to find a town or a suburb in this state that doesn't have the same issue right now. Oh, you know, in doing research for this, I found so many different communities that are talking about that. So in in South Gippsland, for instance, they had a recent meeting saying, look, we need to sort this out. We need to have off the leash areas, that it is a problem. Um, And, you know, there was just uh, the community saying this still hasn't been sorted out. So there's different levels of of kind of rules and regulations everywhere. Mark and Benella says all dogs should be registered, so make part part of the registration proving that they're properly trained. All unregistered dogs should be picked up and not released until trained. Well, maybe, you know, maybe that's it. It's not just about making sure there are designated areas. It's about saying when you register, I I am going to train this. And But again, that's another layer of, you know, like do you have to t- pass some sort of test? test. That's it. <laughs> and there's cost associated with that as well. Not everybody can afford dog training and then we'll just be labelled a bigger nanny state as well. Who knows what the solution is. Let's start chipping the dogs and if they've passed certain training (laughs) and they can go in certain areas and you could have one of those, you know, boundaries that are automatic. I'm just thinking out loud here, just (laughs) brainstorming. You know, like those fences you can get for cattle that are invisible and it's just you could get that for dogs and if they're chipped, they're the ones that are allowed in and everyone else out. You know, let's get some technology. farmer. And they called it puppy love. This is the Conversation Hour. And I think we need the music to just diffuse, you know, the fury that is coming through on calls and texts as well, because it is heated, whether it be between dog owners, parents of children and ecologists, where your dog should be on leash and where it should be off leash. It is debated in council meetings, at schoolyard pickups or in parks everywhere across Victoria. So what is your local area doing? I really want to drill down into the ecology side of it and we will shortly, um, we've got a conservation scientist joining us because I really want to understand what the impact of of dogs are. But let's first uh, go to, you'll have to forgive me here, to Sophie in Carlton North. Hi Sophie. Hi there, how's it going? What did you want to say? Yeah, so I just, just, you were chatting a bit earlier about um, trying to get the type of dog that suits your area of living. 
Um, but I've actually got two very active dogs, um, two water collies, and they, and we've got quite a big space and run around in down the coast, but we do live in the city. Um, and when we are down the coast, they don't run around in our huge backyard. They just want to be inside with me all the time. They just want to be around humans. So even if we did have a huge backyard, they wouldn't, they don't really use it. So we need the big spaces for them to run around in because they need huge walks every day and huge runs. But, um, yeah, they're normally inside dogs and they're at home despite the big backyard. So what if, I'm playing devil's advocate here, Sophie, <laughs> what if I said, well, I, you know, I, I think your dog should run around your own backyard. I don't necessarily want to pay for the extra infrastructure to have another off-leash park in the town or suburb that I live in if I don't have a dog. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need extra off-leash parks, but I think I'd be pretty sad if our off-leash area turned into an on-leash area because, um, yeah, there's a designated part of the beach that I'm turned around in. It's so great and there's so many dogs there and it's um, lovely and people who go to the beach who don't want to have dogs around them on the beach will just go to the part of the beach that don't, uh, where dogs even aren't allowed on lead. And so I think it is a really good balance um, where where I am. But, um, yeah, I do think that that big dogs um, do need kind of big areas to run around in that aren't necessarily in the backyard. Thank you, Sophie. It just goes to show, you know, I mean, she can live in Carlton North with Border Collies, um, you know, but relying on those off-leash parks to be able to do that. Dr Lily Van Eden is with us. She's a conservation scientist with the Arthur Ryler Institute. Welcome, Lily. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Really wanted to drill down into the concerns that people have. We had the the mayor of the Monash City Council talking about an ecological corridor, uh, and that's why they've decided to close one of their off the leash parks. What is the concern about dogs running around on their own when it comes to the environment? Well, uh, I guess there are wildlife concerns in general, but one of the ones that create. Um, generates a lot of interest, I guess, is threatened species. And that, that's where a lot of um, study and, and time and thinking has gone into monitoring the impacts uh, of, of dogs on beaches, on, uh, on the impacts of shorebirds, on shorebirds, on beaches. Um, but, but dogs can also impact other kinds of wildlife, um, mammals and, and, and reptiles and even frogs. Not, it's not just coasts that the dogs can potentially create concern. So we're thinking about natural areas, um, you know, across much of uh, Australia, there's a fairly blanket rule that domestic dogs can't go to national parks, and that's part of that's the reason for that. Uh, and so, um, there's the impact of dogs in um, actually chasing and harassing wildlife potentially, but also just that the presence of dogs can change the behaviour of, of of different wildlife species. So there was a study done about ten years by ten years ago by some researchers at Deakin University looking at the differences in the behaviour of shorebirds when there was a person walking on the beach alone versus a person with a dog on a leash. And just mm. the presence of the dog would cause the birds to fly away and, and act as though they'd been disturbed. Um, more so than when there was just a person there. And so that can be important if it means they're leaving a nest or they're leaving young behind. So I think many pro people probably think that the impacts of dogs on wildlife is just when dogs are in physically engaging with them, chasing them, barking them, but it can be more than that. And I think that's something important to keep in mind. We can't keep up with the Texas saying it's got nothing to do with the dog, it's about the owner. And so many texts saying, but my dog wouldn't do that, so to speak, <laughs> right? My dog yeah. is well behaved. I have control over my dog. I know how to handle my dog. How much of this is about the dog and how much of it is about owners and maybe rose-coloured glasses of the impact that their dog might be having? 
Yeah, well, I guess that's part of why I wanted to raise that point is that it doesn't necessarily matter about the behaviour of the dog in that instance. It's just the presence of the dog. But the other the other point that you make is actually part of why I've, I've gone in this direction with my career from looking just at, um, at wildlife conservation to having quite a strong focus on behaviour change. And I think this dog and wildlife issue is a really good reminder that protecting wildlife is not just about out there in the national parks. It's right here where you and I live. We interact with, with wildlife in, in our urban society. Threatened species depend on urban environments. So it's really important to understand people's behaviour and how to influence that behaviour to encourage behaviours that can protect wildlife. So I have been involved in a study um, through my work in the state government where we surveyed a representative population of Victorians, both, both people who have dogs and don't, and asked them about their attitudes towards um, dogs in natural areas, having leashing requirements, rules stipulating where dogs can and can't be, and overwhelmingly across uh, dog owners and people who don't have uh, dogs, we found support for having those regulations and, and agreement that dogs shouldn't be allowed to go to places where there is threatened wildlife, uh, I guess. But all, the other thing we found is that in many instances, um, believing that, that dogs can potentially threaten wildlife didn't mean that people were going to comply with, with um, leashing rules. And so I was interested in looking at some of the other factors that can help us understand the behaviours that people engage in, whether they leash their dog or not, whether they take their dogs to places that um, dogs are asked uh, not to go to, I guess. Dr. Billy, Dr. Lily Van Eden, do you think it's a, a bit of a change that we've seen, particularly in our suburban areas? Like you said, I think a, a lot of people understand when you're in some sort of wildlife habitat that's protected that you wouldn't bring a dog in there. But I think, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we think, oh, it's a park, you know, that's grass and it's whatever. We, we can do what we like and have fun. But thinking about pl suburban places as also being ecological corridors, is mm. this a, a change that we're going through? I think, I think as I was mentioning before, I, I think we often forget that wildlife conservation happens at our back door. It's not just wildlife is far away. Of course, there are suburban parks that have differing values for wildlife habitat and ones that contain wetlands, for example, where there might be water birds, they can be really susceptible to, to dog behaviour. Um, so, of course, the threat differs at different places and, and that's something to keep in mind when deciding where dogs can and can't be and, and what the leasing requirements are in those places. That's fascinating. I've just learned so much in that short period of time. <laughs> Lily, thanks so much for your time and your insights. No worries. Thanks for having me. Dr. Lily Van Eden, she's a conservation scientist with the Arthur Riley Institute. Well, there, uh, a row has exploded uh, around the rights of children and the rights of dogs. And whether or not they should be equal is just a few of the texts. Some <laughs> dog owners think that their pets are children and have the same rights and needs. It's an owner issue. Another saying, well, I may not want to pay for your kids to go to childcare. And another saying, Rochelle and Kirsten, I might not want to pay for rates for infrastructure for your kids kids if I choose not to have them it works both ways this is us talking about well if you have a big dog and you don't have a big yard why should other ratepayers pay for off-leash dog parks another saying I'm a dog lover though I'm so over dogs having the same rights as people and along with those over lazy inconsiderate dog owners if a young kid is purposely knocked down or knocked down a stranger then the parent would be responsible it should be the same with dog owners if you can't be bothered training your dog don't buy one owning a dog isn't mandatory although being considerate of other people should be. End of my whingy rant, says Lindy.
And that is a relatively new debate as well, isn't it? And I guess fundamentally this is what it comes down to is dogs being given almost the same rights as kids and as humans, whether it be letting into restaurants or parks. Well, I was thinking about that when we're talking about, you know, a dog running up to you and you may not like that even though it's your dog. You know, is it the same for some people with children? You know, when you walk around with with little kids, they can be unpredictable and and do some things and you're running after them as a parent going, oh, look, sorry, uh, he just got away. And is it the same thing? But uh, look, I don't know. And I guess coming from the place as a mum, you know, I'm always thinking about, gosh, we need to make places more friendly for children and we need to understand that children are part of our society and we shouldn't ban them from <laughs> from situations because their behaviour may not be perfect at all times. Does that apply to dogs? And I know dogs are like children to some people. I know. And I know that they're important and that they have a vital role and that dogs are amazing. But I find the argument of, well, they're the same as children one hard to swallow just personally but even though I'm not diminishing their importance in people's lives and I'm probably going to get hate mail after saying that but you know there I said it (laughs) I know I'm not a dog person and I feel like even admitting that on air that there's something wrong with me because I don't (laughs) like dogs but you know like you can't it's not that I (laughs) I know now I'm backpedaling look I, I I don't I usually say I'm quite indifferent towards them, so I'm not afraid of them, um, but I have someone very close to me who is petrified of dogs and growing up around this person, um, you know, I've seen how terrified he w- he was whenever he was near them and I think you've got to be mindful of that too. <laughs> You're in trouble. End of story, I know. basically. Trevor's in Mount Waverley. Hi, Trevor. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to speak in regards to Damper Creek, which was the in the Monash Council. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, just try to visualise it. It's about 150 metres wide and it's about two kilometres long. It is in the middle of the you know the suburbs and basically it's where all the, the water runs down. Done a great job and made it look fantastic. But, you know, as far as being in you know, an area that needs to be, you know, protected by, you know, putting dogs on a leash, I'd question. But my main point is, is for 25 years, it has been um, an off-lease park. Uh, I admit that I walked our dog and walked it there for probably about eight years and never seen an issue, never known an issue to be there. I read the report that was put forward by council to say that um, there is justification that there's been damage. But the, when you read the report, effectively what it, I believe that it says is that over a five-year period, um, there's been an improvement in the uh, ecological standards of the corridor and that feral cats and foxes are the ones that are doing the damage, not dogs. And all that will happen is the dogs will be on a leash. Um, so if people have got concerns and so forth, it'll be limited. But I guess my main concern is the way the council has gone about applying the, the, the mm. change that put some areas in that are very small, basically a suburban block and saying that's off leash. But then what's happened is they've employed three people at arguably 100000 a year, $300,000, then to enforce the change to make it on leash and put in fines of $280 up to 740 for the second offence. I mean, it's totally heavy-handed. And, you know, you're talking about effectively, you could, it's 250 pensioners' rates that have been paid to employ these three people that I'd argue could be put to better use. If it's been fine for 25 years, I don't believe it's broken, then why try to change it? I wanted to ask Trevor about this particular 
park and, and why it's so important. Is there a, a social aspect to it as well? Like I imagine it might be something you do regularly and you'd see other dog owners and it would just be part of your life. Is, is there an aspect oh, totally. of that to it? Totally, totally. And I've got to a point that my wife and I walk the dog through it. We meet others. It is quite a, a, a social environment. You're, mm. you're, hence, there's been a petition. Most people on the petition probably walk the dog. And what I've noticed, because there's been articles in The Age, that when other people are walking through, they'll go, oh, we're not even from Monash. We fully support the, the, the situation not but changing. But Trevor, in the Monash's defence, they've increased their off-leash dog parks from 31 to 45. However, they have put a new restriction onto this particular park that we're talking about. You have plenty of options. If they've done their due diligence oh. and they want to protect the environment, can't you just walk your dog somewhere else? No, because the argument is, is, is what I try to picture was, sure, they've increased the number, but the quality of the number is you're talking suburban block. It's like saying, here's a little corner. Mm. Now you've got that. It's not fancy. It's fair, the likelihood of being able to walk the dog. This, this is quite unique. Sure. Hence, you'll hear the pushback. It's, it's a long area. Our dog loves it. Absolutely. They've got a little creek, jumps into the creek, jumps out of the creek, runs. It's total freedom. And yep. through lockdown, it was, it I was could imagine. very, very popular. Trevor, you've had a good run. We've got plenty of people that we want to get to on this. But thanks so much for making those points. And pest animals, you know, it is a part of this. We'll actually go to the Bass Coast in just a moment as well, Kirsten, because they've done a lot of work into cats and restrictions on to, to pet ownership and dogs. They've got dogs in their sights as well. But Trevor, who we just heard from there is a vet. Let's go to another. Derek McNair joins you now. Derek, some breeds, do they need off-leash time and do we need these designated spaces for the well-being of the dog? Uh, yes. Look, b before I get to that, I'd just like to say that I have many clients who tell me they love their dogs more than they love their husband and wife, um, and I actually believe them. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so dogs are, are very, very important family members. But, uh, yes, I mean, there are certainly breeds who need more exercise than other breeds. I mean, the, the very energetic ones that have come up already, the Border Collies, Kelpies, Retrievers and German Shepherds, they are super energetic dogs and there's less energetic ones which tend to be the smaller dogs uh, like the Pugs and Dash Hounds and Pekingese and Cavaliers and stuff. But I believe, I believe that all dogs need some off-leash exercise, but it, it does need to be controlled. It, I, I don't believe dogs should be allowed off-leash at all. If, if the owner doesn't have the ability to, to recall them, to get them to come back when they call. So for those dogs, you can get sort of 15, 20-metre leads, and I think they are very good for dogs who are, uh, are not very good at coming back to their owners when they want to come back. Well, that's a good point. Just because you're at an off-the-leash park doesn't mean they have to be off-the-leash the entire time. No, no. And this is where the problem arises. Now, a lot of your callers have said with owners who think their dogs are friendly and they, and they run up to other people, I mean, that's very inconsiderate. And uh, I see a lot of incidents where dogs get bitten by other dogs and the owner of the other dog think they're perfect and it's never happened before and all this sort of thing. But you need to be in control. And, and even, I mean, these energetic dogs, they've just done a survey where they found that sniffing, dogs sniffing around their environment 
actually makes them very tired. So if you take them out for a walk and maybe just have a, a five-meter lead where you've still got control of them and allow them to take their time and to sniff rather than... Rather than Hurrying them along. Mm. Yes, yes. It's a bit like I always think you know, if, if I... Every time my wife went outside, if I took her for a walk with me and held her hand and went at my pace and went to the places that I wanted to go to, then she would get a bit frustrated because she wouldn't be allowed into as many shoe shops as she wanted to. <laughs> Sounds like, like a that, woman so. I should hang out with. Derek, <laughs> lots of ideas are flying in around whether or not we need to put greater restrictions on dog lead or off-leash areas and not in terms of – but I guess, you know, do you need a registration? Do you need to prove that you've had some kind of dog training for your dog? Do we need to look at paying for them or making sure you don't combine walkers or runners or cyclists or children? If we're going to have more and more off-leash parks, do we need to almost – I hate to use the word regulate, but find a, a better formula for them? Yes, I think – the unfortunate thing is it's not an ideal world. My views are that if you have a child, you have to send them to school. So I think if you have a dog, you should have to send that dog to school as well or, or actually basically send yourself to school to learn how to teach and control the dog. So, yes, I think there should be greater fines for um, people who don't have control of their dogs, who don't take their dog to obedience classes. So I think the basic thing is it would be lovely for all dogs to have some off-leash exercise, but the onus is on the owner to have control of that dog and they must be able to, to call it back or to bring it back uh, if they're going to have it some distance from them. Derek, we've had a couple of texts in from some vets saying that, you know, they've had owners who say that they've got a non-aggressive dog and that People underestimate the risk and have a she'll be right attitude and it only takes one jaw snap to cause life-changing consequences. As a vet, have you had to have any difficult conversations with a dog owner when something like that has happened? Yes, on a fairly regular basis. Usually the owner is receptive to it because they've come in and we get quite a few owners who come in and say, my dog has actually bitten another dog or has bitten a child. And when you get to that stage, I always refer them to behavioural specialists because it, it's a very potentially very dangerous situation. And if it's allowed to continue and, and more harm comes, then the people could end up in court and, and worse still, children could be very badly injured from it. So, but I, I've had a couple of cases where someone has come in and said, oh, my dog, is fine, it's the nicest dog ever, and it ran under the table and bit me in the foot. So that's when I had a conversation that they didn't want to hear about, you know, maybe you've got your dog's personality wrong in this case. So, yes, it certainly happens from time yeah. to time. Derek, as always, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It's Derek McNair there, South Australian-based vet. This text, and this just shows you how emotional this conversation is. Oh, yes, paying for infrastructure. I pay for everyone's children to be cared for and be educated. Get those children out of my dog off-lead area and off the dog beach. Dog parts are about my opportunity to exercise in a public space. My dogs are better behaved than most children. Get badly behaved children out. Natural environment standards in urban environments do not 
not make a whole nature difference. This urban nature park stuff is ridiculous, says Mary in Windsor. And another that says that this should be nature first and dogs second. Yes, so many different opinions. I think it's because everyone loves that you're either, you know, you might love the environment or you might love children or you might love dogs. And how do we get all three together? Craig is in Sunbury. Hi, Craig. Yeah, hi, ladies. Um, Yeah, look, what you've said there, I think, sort of sums up what I was going to say, that it's always going to be a compromise. And when you've got humans involved in compromise, people are always, someone's going to be upset at some stage and not happy with what the compromise is. And I, I think... As long as people think they're entitled to something, there's always going to be that conflict. So it's a great conversation to have. Yep. Oh, Craig, we seem to have lost you, but, you know, you're right. But I feel like this conflict is relatively new, you know, in the last 10 years or so, the conflict between dog owners and the discussion between what's better, dogs or kids, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> fundamentally that's what a lot of the, the argument is about. But... It hasn't always been like that. No, but I think dogs also had greater freedom a long time ago and they could roam a bit more and then we we kind of have understood the risks about dogs and and children in particular getting bitten, but has it gone too far? Uh, Sue is in South Melbourne. Hi, Sue. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Good. What did you want to say? Um, Look, I've I've been a dog owner for 30 years Um, and first of all, I had German Shepherds in Tasmania. My German Shepherds were trained to obedience champion standard, which meant that I had to train, uh, be trained by the trainers um, to train my dogs and every single dog that I've had since then and I've had everything from my current um, miniature poodle who is a delta therapy dog and goes to a psychiatric clinic every couple of weeks to provide dog dog therapy to the patients there and also went to the Australian Open to provide uh, a mm. bit of stress relief to the to the poor hard work. So you know you know there. about training then you you, you know, know about, about training. training and I know about how to train everything from a german shepherd to a chihuahua how often are people getting training for their dogs so we know that it's around they're 20% not. of dog ownership's gone up so right so the average yeah, person yeah. doesn't get anything no, no they're not and they haven't got any idea bless them and they think they also think that training stops when you do a course it doesn't it's lifelong yeah. It's lifelong for you and it's lifelong for your dog. And I think therein lies part of the problem as well. How much control do we have over our dogs? You ain't nothing but a hound. This is the Conversation Hour. I have to say, most songs about dogs are really cool. Like, I did a lot of digging around dog songs over the last day or so and just kind of went down a rabbit hole. Yeah, you could form a whole playlist. (laughs) Absolutely, you could. (laughs) Rochelle Hunt and Kirsten Dipro's with you. I'm in Melbourne. Kirsten comes to you, as always, from ABC Warrnambool. Let's head to the Bass Coast now. Let's go to Phillip Island, where Ali Wasty is the CEO of the Bass Coast Shire Council. A text here that simply says, Ali, land is for wildlife, not for your dog. And you've already put in some fairly tight restrictions around cat ownerships. Have you got dogs in sight next? Oh, look, we do, and we love our environment. We love dogs and we love people. Uh, So we take a balance and we've got options for people and their dogs. So we've got off-lead dog parks. We've got dog parks that are on lead. And there are areas on our beaches and on our paths that dogs aren't allowed to go because 
we need to protect our unique conservation environment, including some of those um, nesting birds, such as the hooded plovers, um, that are quite endangered. And do people respect that? I think when you've got a bird there that is, you know, loved, it's it's easier to understand. Sure, and we're actually seeing improvement in behaviour. So this year we've um, we've had patrols out, as we do every year, and we've actually seen an improvement. So more compliance with um, our our beaches, especially around this time of the year when the birds the are nesting. Oh yeah, and you've got and tourists got as tourists. well. So I yeah, wonder, Ali, how much of it, apologies, comes down to, um, as regular listeners would know, you know, I've been going to Phillip Island for a very, very long time and the amount of information that your rangers put out on beaches. So it will have, and look, lots of different councils do this as well, I guess, but it'll have how many chicks are there, what's been spotted. It gives detail, almost like a, a background briefing to the area that you're at. So rather than just saying dogs off leash or not allowed on leash between these hours or the X hours, it explains why and the ecology of what's actually physically happening on the beach. Does that help? Oh, I think definitely. So signage is really important. So people who aren't used to the area, the holiday makers, it's really important that we've got good signage so people can understand where they can walk their dog and where it's not allowed. We've also got cordoned off areas and I'd like to give a big shout out to our volunteers who work tirelessly to protect the hooded plovers. So it's really clear when you walk down to a beach that something's going on in that particular area, including visual pictures with images that make it really clear to everyone that this is a special protected area, please keep clear of it. And I actually loved what Dr Lily Van Eden said too about, and it's something that I learned today, it's just not the dog going up and disrupting the bird, it's actually the presence of the dog that can make the bird fly away. So just so much education out there. What about fines? We had a, a talkback caller, Trevor, talking about the fines that Monash City Council has for, um, you know, taking your dog into the wrong place. Are fines effective? They are. We do take an education pro- approach first. We believe that most people don't want to do the wrong thing, so often we will issue a warning. Um, but if there is a second offence or it's serious, we will issue an on-the-spot fine, and we do do that. How much are they? How, how much are those fines? Um, the fines are around about $185. So if you are in an area where you are not, uh, where your dog is off lead and it shouldn't be, it's $185. Failure to pick up after your dog um, for like dog poo, which is also an issue, can actually carry an infringement of up to $370. Wow, wow. Um so that's really encouraging people to always mm. carry bags. They need and to pick start after their dog. Finding some people around, around me. Ali, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Ali Wasey, the CEO of the Bass Coast Shire. Years ago, I lived in an area where someone didn't pick up after their dog and it would always poo on the main footpath. And I was thinking, oh. what am I going to do, right? I don't even know whose dog it is. I don't know what's happening here. And then one morning, I was walking to the train station and someone had got chalk and circled every single piece of dog poo that this <laughs> dog had left <laughs> and then said, 
pick up after your dog. Anyhow, what's interesting, Kirsten Diprose, is this text, and I think it's probably a good one to end on, that said, how did this discussion... Uh, how did this how did this discussion turn into a debate between dogs and kids? Children are our future, our taxpayers, they're required for our ageing population. Fundamentally, it sort of has become really a debate, kids v dogs. It's all a balance, you know. We can't tell people what the biggest priority is in their lives. I mean, children, yes, they are our future, but there's a lot of people who love their dogs and... I don't know. I'm I'm happy with the off the leash place. Again. Don't say it again. No, I'm saying <laughs> there's a place for everything, right? And and I like knowing where there's dogs, so I don't have to be there. Just say. Kirsten, <laughs> <laughs> as always, thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take care. Tomorrow we're talking about what's a relatively new term, which is called birth trauma. It's supposed to be one of the most great experiences of your life, but not always.